My name is Shayna Riggins, and you're tuning in to Investing in Internships. I have been interning since I was 15 years old, and each internship taught me skills, gave me insight, and helped me develop as a professional and as a person. Investing in Internships is a collection of my thoughts, interviews with other professionals, and lessons on how to navigate the industry as a young person. While I was interning, I often asked, how do I get the most out of this internship? So I've created this podcast to share what I've learned and help ambitious young people navigate the intern experience. Let's get into it and invest in internships. Thank you for coming back to another episode of Investing in Internships. Right now, I am with my other supervisor and co-partner of Digital Venture Partners, Andrew Ferrier, who also welcomed me into the team of May of 2021. Today's episode is centered around the Wake Me Up When I'm Free exhibit, which will be featured in LA, um, which was just announced a couple of weeks ago. I will be asking Andrew a few questions about the exhibit, the idea behind it, and of course, Digital Venture Partners' own involvement. But before we jump into the interview, I'll give some background on Andrew and his career profile. Andrew is currently the co-founder and co-partner of Digital Venture Partners, along with Ryan, who you heard from in the last episode. He has worked in the music industry for more than 10 years with prominent companies such as UMG, Street Execs, 713, and others. Along with being the co-partner of DVP, he also leads as the executive producer of the Green Enterprise Broadcast, a partnered production with Black Enterprise. So thank you, Andrew, for coming on the show and talking with us today about the inside scoop of what we can expect from the Wake Me Up When I'm Free tour. Allow me to open up the floor before we dive into the exhibit and tell me a bit more about yourself if there's anything that I've missed about you. I appreciate you having me on and all the work you've done for our company and just the portfolio of projects that we've been fortunate enough to produce. I would say you encompassed it pretty well. I came into the music space at about the age of 19. I I opened up my own recording studio in my hometown of Anderson, Alabama, which did really well, but it was a small town. Um, And so that was kind of my first foray into it. So I've kind of touched on every part of the music and entertainment industry, as far as like management, working at labels, working for like uh, touring companies or, you know, structuring tours. and then just transition that over to cannabis because I felt like the consumer is the same person. Most people, you know, the same person you want to sell a song or an album or a concert ticket to is probably consuming cannabis while they listen to your song um, or their favorite artist. So I felt like my skills would go hand in hand with the new emerging, you know, cannabis industry and, and legal culture. Definitely. Thank you. Um, and. Secondly, I want to ask, how excited are you about finally revealing the big news of the Wake Me Up When I'm Free exhibit? Can you you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry about reception went out for a second. But yeah, very excited. Uh, We've been working on it for about a year. The larger project has been going on and off for a few years. Sort of like four or five years. The idea was created by um, Aaron Sachs, who is the VP of Estate Management for Universal Music. 
Um, and also he has an estate management company called Kinfolk Management, where he manages the, the estate of several legendary black music icons um, outside of Tupac. So um, he was, he's, it's his brainchild. He's been working very closely for several years. Uh, I was brought in personally um, to just assist in marketing, you know, brand partnerships, programming, content, you know, how, how exactly do we tell the story effectively? As someone who was a childhood fan of Tupac, I'm 33, so I was old enough to know her. Oh, sorry, you're breaking up just a little bit. Tapes from the CD store. Could you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Um, it's still breaking up just a little bit. Um, give me one second. No worries, I could pause it too. Yes, great. Okay, what was the last part that you, when I dropped off? Um, you were talking about how you were a childhood fan of Tupac, so that's why it's it's really exciting to work on it. Yeah, very exciting. So the first thing I ever owned with my own money was Tupac's uh, second album, Strictly for My Niggas. I really? was six, yes, I was six years old, messed around and made some money. I made like 15 bucks. My mom took me to the CD store back when they still had those. And so I walked over to like the hip hop section, you know, like the CDs are in alphabetical order. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Tupac started with the two, he was first. And I was so impatient, you know, I didn't know any of these people. So I just was like, oh, this guy looks cool. So I just bought that one, right? I had no idea who Tupac was. I just bought him because he was first in alphabetical order and I just <laughs> wanted to spend my money so bad, right? And so that, that album had like, you know, keep your head up, I get around, you know? So mm -hmm. it had two of his early like hits and that was back before like on demand anything. So it was like, I only had that CD. So I just memorized it by heart. So Pop was my favorite artist by default because that was the only CD I owned <laughs> until I could get some more money to buy another. But definitely near and dear to my heart just because he was one of my first introductions into like black culture and black music. So to be able to just be a part of his legacy 25 years later, uh, I feel very fortunate. That's awesome. That's so funny that you found a gem and you didn't even realize it, it was just because you were impatient. <laughs> um, right. And I know from uh, previous conversations that, like you said, this project was a long time coming, a lot of work and effort putting um, that's, that's going put, to be put it into the outcome. Can you tell us a little bit about um, maybe some of the other companies or parties that are involved in the exhibit and the process of working together to celebrate his legacy? Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of companies that had to come together to produce this on the scale that it is. So like I said, Aaron's company ideated it. Uh, Universal Music came on board as a music partner um, because the I believe, don't, don't hold me to it, but I'm, I believe the former president or he was very, high-serving um, executive there, Tom Wally, actually is one of the administrators of Tupac's estate. So he, help, he helps oversee his legacy. So uh, UMG came on. 
Um, and then also you have Round Room Live, which they actually produce like museum experiences and things like that. Um, Marketing, who I work closely with on several projects, they were Kamel Bell. He's the actual um, overall marketing director. So he brought me on to kind of direct projects, bring in partnerships, tell stories, loop in companies who it makes sense for them to be a part of it. So, um, and that's just off the top of my head. There are, uh, I think you have, we have Biz3 Media who does, they're doing like PR and like press relations and media relations. So um, several people, you know, Tupac is a, he is black culture. You know, he's not just a music icon. He's not just like a, uh, a revolutionary figure. He is, you know, all of those things. You know, he's a movie star, you know, so to tell all those parts of his story and his catalog is so expansive. He has so many albums, so many films, so many interviews, so many legendary moments, you know, books and things written about him. You know, everyone kind of just handles a different role in in the in the process. But so I would say all that to say it's about six or seven companies involved in it. Wow. Wow. That's extravagant. I can't wait to um, <clears throat> to be able to to finally visit and see um, what you've been working on and what everyone has been working on. That's so many parties and they're all using their brands and streams to uh, put something really special together. Um, and with that, like, what was your favorite aspect of working on the exhibit? Um, honestly, just to wake up and have like Tupac business in my email is still kind of surreal, right? Mm-hmm. Like Tupac's a figure who, he's historical. You don't really experience him in the present day. I wasn't fortunate enough to to like get up and, you know, our favorite artist now, like you may say, like, I love like Tyler, the creator, right. you know, I can see him announce a tour and, you know, buy a ticket and, you know, you know, book a flight and say, hey, I'm going to go see Tyler at Coachella or wherever. Like people our age didn't get that opportunity with some of these legacy stars like Tupac, like, you know, Biggie. So it's exciting to actually just have to be looking forward to kind of be, make a pilgrimage to an artist that I never thought I'd really be able to engage with, like in person, you know what I'm saying? So right. even though it's through a museum, like you, you know, it's like if, you know, if they announced the Notorious B.I.G. Museum, it's like, wow, I get to like go make a pilgrimage to Biggie, right? I think that's just really cool to like give people that opportunity. So I, I would say that's the biggest part, just to be looking forward to something about someone who's just been a historical figure my whole life. Definitely. Yeah, and um, I know that with Tupac's estate uh, involved as well, and and so many people that really admire him working on the project, how does the exhibit relate to Tupac, like his impact and his mission? And and what are we doing um, as like all the parties together, making sure that we serve his legacy as authentically as possible? So yeah, his estate is involved. So of course it's gonna be memorabilia, unreleased and unseen photos, you know, clothing, just items that Tupac owned. Um, And the the museum at large is just an immersive experience that kind of just tells the the black experience using Tupac and his family as a proxy, right? So dealing with oppression, dealing with systemic racism, dealing with um, stereotypes, right? Because Pac is the stereotypical quote unquote gangster rapper or thug, right? But he also was an actor. He he was, pro- Tupac is, I would say the most 
contextualized black figure in American history, right? So what I mean by that is, it's like, we always try to give prominent black people like a one-line description, right? So like, okay, you know, Malcolm X was this, Martin Luther King was this, you know, Rosa Parks sat down, right? We, we all try to say, okay, these people were only famous for one thing, whereas Pac kind of had the grace to be an artist, to be an actor, to be a poet, to be a revolutionary, to be a thug, right? So the museum tells all of those things, right? It, it, it shows you the death row gangster Tupac with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. It also shows you the the young aspiring dancer and, and, and actor who went to the Baltimore School of Arts, right? So I think that's the intention of the museum is to show that, you know, black creators are very contextual right we we exist on a spectrum even within ourselves right so i th i think that's the intention of the exhibit <clears throat> and i think it's going to be so unique because i feel like uh with our responsibility in like media and entertainment um it's our job to not just give one dimension to a person a figure like a point in history but like a multi-dimensional um point of view that that people can immerse themselves in. And I think this exhibit will really give that just from what I've heard um, when you're discussing the project and the exhibit and what to expect. So I'm really excited for that because I think that that's part of our responsibility to be able to give a multi-dimensional experience. And I think that's what, that's definitely what it's gonna serve. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to, to be able to see his life um, and and I can't wait to uh, to just experience the, the different uh, aspects of it. <clears throat> and uh, one of my last questions is, where can the public get their tickets for the exhibit? And uh, what kind of mindset should guests have to make the most out of the experience? Um, I would say to just allow your, first of all, you can get tickets at wakenewandimfree.com. Um, but I would say, to immerse yourself in it fully would just to be to just have an open mind on who Tupac was. He's one of those people. It's really hard to tell a story on someone who people already feel like they know. Right. It's like imagine having to tell the story of Elvis. Right. We all kind of have this character of Elvis in our head. It's going to be really hard to personalize him with people. Um, so I would say to just erase any connotation that you may have of Tupac, whether it's valid or invalid just allow yourself to learn about him again i think that would be the most enjoyable way yeah yeah i'll, de I'll definitely um keep that in mind uh when i visit and i hope the listeners do too um so thank you very much for taking time out of your day to speak with me about digital venture partners and its involvement in the wake me up tour when i'm free exhibit I'm actually starting a tradition of asking each of my guests a question um, to give advice to all the young professionals who can take away meaningful advice and apply it to their own internship or job experiences. Um, so my question to you is, I know that you've spent a great deal of your career in the music industry um, and it's a really tough business to get into. So what would your advice be to a young professional who's looking to pursue a career in the music industry? That's a great question. I would say create your own path. I think the in today's industry, we have more power than we did, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, because music historically has been like a gatekeeper driven industry, where it's like you had to know someone somewhere to like get in. 
to where now I think the power and the control is back into the public and the consumer. Mm. So I would just say, be innovative, be creative. You know, don't think that getting hired at a label or a prestigious management company or agency validates you or makes you, you know, better than the person trying to figure it out. You know, it's, it's just more than one route into music now. So just be creative and just try to take the control back from saying, oh, I work at this large company, so I'm important, right? You know, be create that company, right. I would say. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I know I'm still figuring out exactly what position I want to do in the mean in, in entertainment industry. I know that I definitely want to surround myself with creative people. Um, and so just like being able to hold my own and like know my own value and what I could add to the table. I'll definitely take your advice into consideration when I'm uh, taking my first step out of undergrad. Um, so thank you, Andrew. Um, and that is a wrap for our podcast of Investing in Internships, featuring co-partner of Digital Venture Partners, Andrew Ferrier. So thank you again, uh, Andrew, and hope to see you all next time on Investing in Internships. Thank you so much.